1: Come on in. It's the Friday edition of our podcast. I'm Sean Kelly, and greetings from our Smoothie King Center studios in downtown New Orleans, where tonight the Pelicans are back home to take on the Charlotte Hornets. Eight of the next nine are at home, as a matter of fact, and it's good to be back here at the uh, Smoothie King Center, and good to be with you on this Friday. We have a lot to share with you today. This is going to be a big show, and we're going to cover a lot of bases, and we're going to hear from some fairly important folks um, in our organization during today's podcast. Um, some very important folks uh, today. We're going to hear from both general managers, as a matter of fact. We're also going to talk about NFL relocation. We're going to talk about the divisional round of the playoffs this weekend. And, of course, the current state of things with the Saints and the Pelicans with Mickey Loomis and Dell Demps. So, um, yes, this is a good show to have alongside today. And we appreciate you um Following us on this Friday. By the way, birthday boy, Drew Brees, celebrating today, 37 years old. So we want to uh, acknowledge that and uh, wish Drew a very happy birthday. Uh, so that's a piece of good news. And the sun is out, and hopefully the Pelicans can make it two in a row after beating Sacramento on Wednesday. They look to uh, win against the Charlotte Hornets uh, tonight. Despite the 12 wins, or I guess with the 12 wins in mind, we get a chance to visit with Dell Demps, here today, A very candid and extensive conversation with him coming up just a bit uh, later. And then to help us with the relocation and uh, playoff talk, uh, we're very pleased to have Alex Flanagan today from NBC Sports and the NFL Network. She'll be with alongside here uh, after we hear from Dell Demps. Yesterday at the uh, facility on Airline Drive, the campus, the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans, Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis gathered some members of the local media into a conference room to uh, answer any questions that they had regarding the season past and uh, even events since the end of the regular season. So with that being said, I don't want to share with you the whole conversation because it's literally, I think, almost an hour long, uh, but certainly uh, at least to give you the uh, full breadth of highlights here. Uh, this would be question and full answers from Mickey Loomis from yesterday. I think that you'll uh, like some of the things you hear and you'll learn a little bit more about where things stand with the Saints. Let's take you inside the conference room now as uh, Mickey Loomis met with the media yesterday.
2: Well, Mickey, is, is it safe to assume that, obviously, some change in for
1: this team uh, to improve every year, it's always like that, but is it safe to assume that you can't really do anything else until you figure out what
3: you're gonna do with Drew because of his cap number being so high? Listen, I wouldn't say that. Um, we Listen, I know this. Drew's going to be our quarterback. <laughs> so, you know, I, look, I read these, and you guys do too. And listen, it doesn't get generated from here. I understand that. It's, these national guys or somebody in another city puts something on a blog or it's one of the national guys that write something, and they always write it like this could happen so that they're never wrong. You know? And then I get that you guys got to ask those questions about that, but you guys know me. I, I, listen, I'm not going to answer those rumors and things like that, particularly during the season. Um, but, look, Drew's going to be our quarterback, and we'll figure out how we're going to handle um, contract, whether it stays the same and just remains right in place or whether we do something different. That That's all part of um, – you know what we've got to figure out in the next coming weeks, and and look, I, I keep reading how we're in dire straits with the cap and this, that, the other, and and look, it's not a great cap situation, <laughs> but it's it's not as dire as as sometimes I think it's painted out to be. Um, we know where we're at, you know, we know what we have to do, and look, some of that gets <clears throat> gets uh, taken care of, or. Uh, our plan gets a little more dynamic depending upon our evaluations and what our off-season plan is. Drew. That's definitely a factor, though. When the season ended and you had those discussions afterwards with Sean, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, did it ever reach the point
2: where you were contemplating what would be appropriate compensation if he were to go elsewhere?
3: Well, okay, I know you guys were going to ask this, so... <laughs> Not really. Here's here's what I can tell you. I never had a discussion with another team. No one called me, and I didn't call anyone else.
1: So,
2: was it a situation did. where Sean you, you asked him what he wanted to do? He had time no. to explore his options or consider other alternatives, or never? Uh,
3: look, look. When we met. Here's what typically happens on the Monday after the season is that there's a number of players that come up and meet with the head coach. I also you know, have a targeted few guys that I want to speak with before they get out of town. So we did that. Um, when that was over, you know, Sean and I started our meetings, the same meetings that we have every year. But his first statement when he walked in the room was, hey, I want to be here. I want to be this you know, coach for the Saints. So it never really went beyond that. Then it was just a matter of, hey, what, how are we going to approach this season? What are the things that we, on the surface, need to do? Um, and let's get going. When well,
2: did he say that, because of the reports that he didn't want to be here? Or well, or there they, thing listen,
3: thing be- those reports happened for, you know, two months. You guys know that. because you know, and, and, look, I get that you have to, you know, you have to ask questions and follow those. And, and, but, golly, that, that kind of reporting is really irritating to me. Did because you, no one ever asked me I was gonna say, did you when that to... started. No one ever asked me, and I don't think anyone directly asked Sean other than after the rumors came out.
4: Did, they, did you ever feel compelled, though, to to make a statement or issue a statement or have Mr. Benson issue a statement when all that comes up?
3: Well, look, there's always that discussion of whether or not, hey, should we address these things or not? But look, you, you guys know me. How many times have I addressed a rumor? Uh, I don't think I ever have, other than maybe that wiretapping. <laughs> but so there's one every week, you know. It, it, it's something different every week. And look, we're not the only team that deals with that. you know. The, so I, I no, I didn't feel compelled to do that.
2: There, there seemed to be something different, though, clearly. I mean, just the nature of Sean's press conference and, you know, I don't know what's the right word, recommitment. I mean, so there, it seems like something was considered before before, before that day. How would yeah. you characterize Look, what was different?
3: I, I think this. I think our discussions, I think this, that, man, I think we both got energized by the possibilities because I think we see our team differently than we did. And Sean referenced this in, in his press conference. I think. It's a different feel, That 7-9 is different this year as opposed to last year. And uh, I think we get a lot of, a lot of energy and, and excitement about that, optimism about that.
2: And did you two have to hash anything out about working relationship jobs? That was another one that came up, but even, as I said, the President of Jay said he spoke to both of you and felt like you guys needed
5: to get in a room
2: and hash
3: Geez, overblowing that.
2: Yeah, well, how, how would you characterize anything that needed
3: to um, be discussed from that? I, listen, I, I, I think this. I think there was some of that, but I don't think it was much different than. The only thing that was different is that there were these rumors kind of hanging out there, you know? Because, look, we have differences of opinion. Um, we don't always agree. And yet, we've had a great capacity to have disagreements and resolve them in, in a good way. Um, so that we're always, we always have the same goal in mind, and and uh, and have a lot of respect for each other's opinions. So, I, I'm I don't know that I'm answering the question directly or the way that you want it, but it's overblown to say we had this big ah. There's a perception on the outside of the fans that we get from it. It's
1: feel like there's. Um, you and Sean don't have anybody to answer to, in that you know, Mr. Benson's kind of removed with dealing with everything else
3: going on around, the franchise the court or whatever. That this team, over the last couple of years, has kind of been able to spend on players and hasn't worked out. But what would you say to fans you think? There's, there's no, there's no accountability with, the, with you and. The- well, there's accountability. <laughs> Listen, you know, absolutely. You know, I answer and we answer to Mr. B. Absolutely, we do, and and. uh so I, I can't help perception. I mean, that's... But look, he entrusts the football people to make football decisions. And I think that's worked out pretty well for us over the last uh, 10 years. And are there mistakes? Yeah, absolutely there are. And, and uh, we always own them. You know, we're not shying away from you know, a decision that, that I've made or that we've made that uh, didn't turn out. Um, we we also don't trumpet the ones that do work out either.
1: All right, that's Saints general manager, executive vice president in the organization, Mickey Loomis. It's just the start of a big show here on this Friday. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, the general manager of the New Orleans Pelicans speaks publicly for the first time in a long time. Del Demps right after this. Your New Orleans Pelicans
0: have the perfect way for you to unwind with your buds by scoring the Guy's Night Out six-pack, presented by Fulton Alley. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four beers. Plus, Fulton Alley's throwing in a free game of bowling, all for as low as $50. Take flight with the next Guy's Night Out on Thursday, January 21st against the Detroit Pistons. Visit pelicans.com to plan
4: your Guy's Night Out today. Fall is here, which means there's a new purpose to get excited about at Smoothie King. It's time to bundle up against the weather outside and give your immune system a little extra support on the inside. At Smoothie King, we're blending our new immune builder smoothies to help you stay strong all season long. Fortify your body with more than 2,000% of your daily vitamin C and all natural immune supporters like vitamins A and E, zinc, and selenium. Try a mixed berry or orange immune builder smoothie today. Only at Smoothie King, smoothies with a purpose. Power outages turn your world upside down. You need to know when your power will come back on, and you want to know what happened. The fastest way to stay informed? Entergy text alerts. You'll get prompt updates on when your power will be restored and on what happened. You can even send a text to be sure your outage is being repaired. When the power is out, what's faster than calling? Texting. Sign up today at EntergyText.com. That's the power of people. Entergy.
5: What's up, Pelican fans? This is Anthony Mackey, a shorter, talented version of Anthony Davis, and you are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Go Pelicans.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, Pelicans and Hornets tonight at the Smoothie King Center. Earlier today, I had a chance to sit down with Pelicans general manager, Del Demps. Of course, the Pelicans only have 12 wins on the season. This first half of the regular season has not gone according to plan, as uh, you might surmise. And so that is where we start our conversation. Here's Del Demps from earlier today. Dell, we haven't talked formally in this setting since the start of the season, so I'm, uh, I'm eager to get your evaluation of the way the season has progressed so far.
5: Um, I think it starts with disappointment. Um, obviously, um, we faced adversity. Um, I wish things were different. I wish, you know, we would have played better in certain instances. Uh, but I think the main thing for, for us has been the inconsistency
1: when you when you talk of inconsistency is it inconsistency in execution is it inconsistency in the ability to have a rotation because of injuries what when when you look at inconsistency in that conversation what comes to mind at the at the at the top
5: well i think it starts all the way back in training camp when you know we weren't able to have our full group together going through a training camp you know when you have a new coach new system implementing new things it's difficult um you know as the season started You know, I still thought that we battled and we were in some games, but there were some games we we weren't in. And then when we became healthy, um, you were hoping that, you know, we'd have caught fire and the the ball would have just got rolling, but it didn't happen. Um, We've shown flashes of what the potential of this team can be, but then we have these huge setbacks and obstacles that we run into that it's been disappointing.
1: You know, there's been this ongoing conversation, whether it be with the coach or the players or fans, about this lack of effort, and that's something that you don't normally hear. Um, is that kind of like fingers on a chalkboard for you? Does it alert you to anything else? Do you do you listen to it in a different way?
5: You know, it's it's, it's been alarming. Um, it, it's it, it's been tough. That, that you know, you figured you had to coach effort at times, but I don't think it's been that. I think there's been times when we played really hard and we 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 we, we really battled and some things didn't work out. And there's some times that we've really battled and we've had some success. Um, the approach is the thing that, you know, this team is starting to develop. And, you know, as of late, I thought we have been playing hard and competing. You know, we, we've had a couple bad losses, but we've had some good wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you keep seeing size, almost like it teases you. But at the end of the day, we gotta fix the problems.
1: Does, does it bring about questions of leadership? And it's and it's hard sometimes, especially when your franchise player is as young as he is. But uh, are leadership questions involved here when you talk about those things you just referred to?
5: I don't think so. I think it's more, you know, as a team we got to collectively come to play together and come to play every night. And I think each person, you know, individually, I think we're talented. I think we have some guys with some really good basketball individual skills but the key is meshing that together and becoming a good team Um, because teams win in the NBA Um, it's a team sport and guys sometimes are going to have to sacrifice and do the extra and do the things that are more the dirty blue collar stuff Mm -hmm. to help us get over the top and I think those are the areas where we've had problems you know getting you know tough defensive rebounds at times Um, understanding your defensive assignment you know I think to start off, I think our defense was the problem that was really hurting us the most. Um, and to the guys' credit, I think they tried. I think, you know, the new system, they're trying to they're trying to figure it out on the fly. Um, but it's the effort plays that we've seen, though. We've we, we seen, you know, the other night, we've seen, you know, Amir and Norris dive on the ball to get a loose ball that turns into a layup, and then it helps us win a game. Mm-hmm. And then we see the night before, we don't get that loose ball, and they hit a three, and then that contributes to us losing. And so... That's the thing that I think the I think the guys are trying. I, I wanna make sure I say that I think that they're they're putting in the effort. It's just finding the ability to putting into the effort consistently every night, every play, and understanding that's what it's gonna take.
1: Dell, if you look through the lens of what the season's been so far, how does that now how do you now answer the question of what your short term needs are and perhaps what your long term needs
5: are for this team? we're consistently looking for ways to improve the team in both the short term and the long term. Um, I want to make sure I assure Pelican fans that um, we are working right now. We will do what's need what's needed to get this team on track. Um, obviously we dug ourselves a deep hole and it's going to be tough for us to fight back into it this year, but we're always looking for the long term as well as the short term. We haven't given up on the season. Um, you know, People always ask about trades. Are you going to make a trade? Um, are you going to do something on the short term? I said, we have to do what makes sense. You know, we can't just make a trade just to make a trade. We can't just get rid of a guy and then bring back, you know, lesser talent. Or less. Le- that's going to make the team um, deficient. Um, so we're looking right now. But we've got to be smart. We've got to make sure that um, we're looking at the right things. But at the same time, we're also going to look internally. We're going to you know, see if we can find the right combinations out there on the floor that can help us win right now.
1: Dell, part of your vision last summer was bringing a new head coach, new system to provide your club the ability to take another step. And you also at the same time believed in the core group of players that you had and you, you made it a point to make sure that they stayed intact. When you, when you look at that right now, has the answer changed as far as the core goes? It, you know, exactly who is that core and, and are you pleased that you've stayed the course with that?
5: No, we're not pleased. You know, we're not pleased with where we are right now. Um, I thought, you know, at the end of the season last year, we're going to bring this group back and, you know, have something to build on and try mm-hmm. to take that next step. Um, and right now, you know, we haven't done that. And so we're looking at any and everything. You know, when, when you're in this position, you got to look at any and everything.
1: It was really hard last week hearing in the news that Quincy Pondexter was going to be done for the rest of the season i'd watched him day in and day out, work so hard to try and come back from that knee surgery now that he's not able to be with you all the rest of the season. What does that do? What does that change with regard to your outlook at the number three position or that quote unquote small forward
5: we're going to miss Quincy. Yeah. I think you know the guy that we have right now you know we would like for them to step up um, you know they've, they've you know it has been a combination of you know Alonzo and Dante playing some small forward, and um, you know we've even had Tyreek play a little bit there, and we we've, we play small. But you know we're we're looking. I I couldn't sit here right now and say hey we're gonna go get this guy and this guy and that guy. It, it's not that easy. Um, but you know we will be look looking at, at that position in all positions. You know we want to win games. The bottom line is we got to figure out what's going to take for us to win games, and we're looking right now to figure out you know if it's going to be internally or externally.
1: In in some way, you're a steward of a young star with Anthony Davis. Um, you've watched him from the day he stepped on our campus from a college campus. What have you seen from him so far this season as he continues working toward, you know, that maintenance of an elite
5: status? You know, I think this year was the year where he had expectations on him. You know, I think that, that's, and, and that's, that's, that's a part of, you know, going into, you know, becoming a star in this league um you know after you know playing in the all-star game and um you know playing for USA basketball he's continually taking the right steps um i've been most impressed with his his work ethic you know he he, he still comes in he still gets the extra work in um you know he's facing different challenges this year i think he has x on his back i think players sometimes are, are coming after him um and you know that's new uh, you know, when he first came into the league, you know, when you're a rookie, in your first year or two, you know, you come in and you, you kind of learn your way. And now, you know, he's got some guys that are trying to come after him and take what he's already accomplished. And I think he's responded well. And you know, he's just going to continue to grow. And I think you know, the sky's the limit for him. And you know, we, we're seeing that on the court. That you know, even on some nights when he doesn't shoot well, you know, he can get a big rebound or block a shot or do some make some plays that can help us win games.
1: Dell Dems, Vice President, General Manager of the Pelicans, with us here. Uh, Dell, help me answer a couple questions from fans that I get quite often. Um, I have fans say, hey, I keep hearing that the Pelicans have some expiring contracts. What does that mean for the Pelicans? What does that mean for others around the league when you look at teams, whether it be us or any other teams that have expiring contracts, help them understand what that exactly means and its benefit?
5: Um, I think 10 years ago expiring contracts – been a lot more than they do now um and the reason why is in those days sometimes teams would sign players to contracts that were six seven years and they might want to have a change with an expiring contract I think nowadays you know we've seen that expiring contracts do not have the same value as they've had in the past um sometimes they help sometimes they don't but it's it's not like it was you know ten ten years ago so um You know I think with some of our expiring contracts uh, could it help us in the short term and long term possible but it's not something that I think that we want to think that that's going to be like the savior.
1: Del when you 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 spoke earlier about your evaluation of the season you you used the word disappointed and I think that would seem fairly obvious at the same time though when you're watching your new coaching staff work what are some of the things that you've liked about the way that Alvin Gentry and his staff um, have worked through their how they've worked through the season so far?
5: You know, I think that um, they come in every day with a positive attitude, and um, I think they're prepared, and I think that um, they're trying to, you know, put the right combinations out there for us to win. Um, You know, it's tough when, you know, you have a new coaching staff that's, you know, they're also still learning the players themselves, and they're trying to put them into a system. And, um, you know, we expected there were going to be some bumps in the road. I think the injuries and not having the guys in training camp have definitely contributed, uh, and we're kind of learning on the fly right now. But as pros, I think that is the expectation of being able to learn on the fly. So, you know, I'm completely happy with the coaching staff. I, I think they're giving it everything they can, um, and we've got to just keep pounding the rock, keep trying to figure out how to, how to get it done.
1: I started the conversation by asking you to evaluate the season for your team. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are about the NBA in general. The, some of the major storylines that we've seen develop, how maybe the West looks differently this year. Um, what stuck out to you around the league here through the first couple of months?
5: The parity. I think um, there's so many good teams right now. I think there's been some teams, you know, like ourselves and um, that have been building to get to where they are right now. And uh, there's so many teams going for it right now. And I think every night you have to come to play. I, I don't think there's any easy nights in the NBA.
1: Well, Dell, as, bu- as busy as you are, I want to take advantage of our conversation here today, uh, not only for Black and Blue Report, but for our game broadcast, too. But is there anything that I'm leaving out? Is there any other um, message that you might have or a question that I've forgotten to ask you that, that you might feel necessarily, necessary to answer at this point? Boy, am I, am I just opening the door here or what? But anyway, you, get, you catch my drift, right?
5: From the players to the coaches to management to ownership, we're, committing, we're committed to making this right. Um, we're approaching the halfway, part of this halfway mark of the season. We're getting closer to healthy, healthier. Um, and I, I just want to make sure I tell everyone that we're going to do everything we can to still make a push. We haven't given up. We're going to look for, to do everything we possibly can to make this team better for the short term and the long term. I can give you that assurance.
1: Eight of the next nine at home. Let's have a good stretch, huh?
5: <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs>
1: All right, so there you have it, and we'll hear from Del Demps on television tonight. He'll be a part of the Fox Sports New Orleans broadcast, and, of course, you'll hear uh, pieces of this interview later on tonight during the New Orleans Pelicans Radio Network broadcast, which begins at 6.30 with Pelicans warm-up. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll turn our attention uh, to the NFL once more and welcome in Alex Flanagan after this.
4: Healthcare with peace of mind. Pelican. Create fun and affordable memories for the entire family with a Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include 3 or more tickets, combo meals, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is on Friday, January 15th against the Charlotte Hornets. For more information and to plan your next night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today.
0: Hardwood, hardball, and hard knocks. (gasps) This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We continue on this Friday as we get ready for a big weekend in the NFL, obviously, with the playoffs. But what a week it's been in the NFL. And obviously, the relocation news has dominated things as, as we get ready for the divisional round of the playoffs. I needed some help here on this Friday. And so none better than Alex Flanagan with uh, the NFL Network and NBC Sports to help me get through some of this and sort out some of the details and, and maybe also preview some playoff games, which I think would be much more fun to talk about. Alex, how are you?
6: I'm good, John. Thanks for having me on. I hope I'm able to help you sort it out. I'm confused. (laughs) As confused as anybody.
1: I think so. Um, What a week in Houston as the owners got together. And and I guess this this is what we know. The Rams are leaving St. Louis. They're setting up shop in L.A. We'll play in an old, decrepit stadium for the next three years and then have the biggest and best and baddest thing going. And oh, by the way, the Chargers still haven't figured out what they're going to do. And I don't know what this means for the Raiders as well. So when you started to hear the news this week, alex, what did you what did you start to say to yourself or look to look for answers?
6: Well, I think there's so many moving parts, and I felt like as this um, has progressed, it's become a little bit more confusing every time I talk to somebody about it. Um, I do think what happened is what a lot of people expected to happen. Um, in my opinion, I feel like the league was torn between an owner that has the financial um, ability and a plan that is very viable in Stan Kroenke and the Rams, that he can build one of the maybe most impressive stadiums maybe in the world. Um, He has the financial ability to do that. And then I think there was Dean Spanos, who I think the owners have a lot of loyalty to, as they should. He's been a very loyal owner. He's been very loyal to this league. His father has been very loyal to this league. His sons are now in this league. And so I think there was – um, maybe a sentiment that Dean was deserving of um, the vote from the owners to move to Los Angeles. And I think what happened in the end is that that's kind of the direction they went. They gave the new guy on the block who has the financial ability to really make something great in Los Angeles, and then they said to Dean, like, and you can be part of it too. Um, and I think the Raiders in the last couple of weeks have been um, on the outside looking in, and I think anybody close to the situation kind of knew that. I think the league. Does believe that um, Oakland or, or that San Francisco area is a very viable market. Um, all of the Silicon Valley um, people that you have up there, there's a, a tremendous ability. I think if you can create a stadium um, there, that you would have the ability to sell the suites and the ability to really have a thriving team there. I think I feel badly for Mark Davis because I think they're they're really in a in an interesting pickle right now in that they don't, they don't have a place to play even like the Chargers do in that the baseball team there just signed a 10-year contract in the stadium that they play in. So there again, if they were to go back to their stadium that they play in now, would be sharing it with the baseball team, which I think most people agree in this day and age in the NFL is unacceptable.
1: Yeah, I don't think we're going to see much longer dirt infields uh, on football fields, you know, much longer. You're right, those days are gone. Uh, Alex, it's interesting. There are reports that Jerry Jones was a huge, huge factor in all this, the Cowboys owner. And and a lot of this has to go against what the L.A. committee had, I guess, suggested to the ownership. They almost brushed it aside. Uh, Did that surprise you in any way? And and is Jerry Jones uh, as big a guy on the block as it's being made out to be?
6: Well, I wasn't at the meetings in Houston. I will say this. Jerry Jones has a pretty good product. Um, to display to people and say, Look what i've done, look what I've done with my stadium, look what I've done with my team um, i I know the stadium that they play in they Jerry does tours um, i don't know what they charge there but but it's a very viable business plan for them. People come and tour his stadium um, and that's a that's a money maker for that team and for jerry jones so I think, you know, you have a stadium like he does and you can have concerts and you can have Final Fours and you can have, you know, national championships and whatnot. And um, and so I'm, I'm sure that when Jerry stands up and speaks about those things, other people have to listen. And I think, you know, ultimately, uh, this is something I've been saying. I, you know, I, I live in San Diego. I'm a fan in San Diego as much as I am an NFL reporter. Um, I think that... When you strip away the emotions, you have to talk about the financial um, part of it, which is what this all boils down to. And I think the Rams had the most um, financially viable plan. The NFL certainly wants to be, not only wants to be, but needs to be successful in the L.A. market. And I think a league who has been very smart and protective about their property had to sit down and say to themselves, like, who has the ability to build the best stadium? Who has the ability to spend the most to make their team very viable there? And I think it was um, Stan Kroenke and the Rams. Now, I think Dean has an opportunity, the Spanos family has an opportunity to join that. And I think that's the big question mark now is, you know, which what will they do? And, and in San Diego, there was kind of jubilation when this decision was announced because people really felt like they had a reprieve, that they maybe had an opportunity or have an opportunity. And I think, you know, now it'll be interesting to see what move Dean makes because still, to be part of an L.A. market, um, you know, the value of your team, I would imagine, grows tremendously once you start playing in Los Angeles compared to San Diego. And I think... There's so many more things. I mean, we started by saying how complicated it is. I mean, when you look at San Diego, San Diego is a small market. And when you build a stadium, do you have enough people that will support buying suites here? I mean, you look at Levi Stadium or some of the other places where there is money in Silicon Valley and and multiple companies, you know, huge companies that have the ability to support and sponsor. San Diego really doesn't have that. I mean, we have Falcom, we have a few companies here, but we don't have that same um, type of environment that maybe you have in LA or that you have in San Francisco or that you have in New York um, that can really support a stadium which ultimately comes down to sponsorships and suite sales and all of those different things.
1: Best guess, what do the Chargers do? Where are they playing in 2016 or for I guess 2017 for that matter?
6: Yeah, it's going to be it's it's going to be interesting. And uh, on Wednesday the mayor came out right away and kind of talked to um did a press conference and told everybody, "Hey, this is an opportunity for ha- us to have a fresh start." And they seem to be willing to talk now with the Spanos Spano's family about getting something done here in San Diego. It's interesting because that relationship seemingly had grown very contentious between the politicians in San Diego and the Spanos family and I think that the city came forward this morning and kind of said hey we're willing to wipe the slate clean now there's a lot of ifs and ands and buts attached to that they have a plan that they like which is in Mission Valley which is the area that Qualcomm Stadium is in now the Spanos family wants to be downtown on the waterfront which is a whole different thing which requires a whole new impact uh, environmental impact report which requires different financing and, and then all of this in San Diego still has to be voted upon by the public. So even if Dean Spanos wants to stay here, let's say, and makes that decision, it's, there's still an if. Can, can, can this be passed by the voters, and will it be passed?
1: Alex Flanagan here with us from the NFL Network and NBC Sports. Alex, we'll get to the playoffs here in just a second, I promise. But one more question about all the relocation uh, scenarios here the only other thing that i would say and this would be with regards to obviously the franchise that i work for the saints and and everything else has the nfl in any way opened themselves up to antitrust or a lawsuit of some kind say from the city of st louis because because of the way this played out and because the 100 million dollars was offered to the raiders and the and the chargers and have they have they put themselves in a bit of a further pickle here or do you think they come clean of this and that, you know, the Band-Aid will be ripped off, it'll be sore for a while, and then we move on?
6: I, I don't know if I'm close enough to the legality of everything to really be able to give you a, um, an educated answer on that. Um, I, I do know that, you know, throughout <clears throat> excuse me, the process of following this, um, I think that the you know, parties involved have been smart enough to do things to position themselves to make sure that they're legally covered. Um, and I think, you know, the NFL, as we all know, has rules that if your city has a, a, you know, a plan for you, that you're not allowed to leave. And I think obviously all three of the, the cities that were involved didn't have that to, you know, to the extent that they are legally able to leave. Um, I, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see though, because like you said, um, when you're, I mean, <laughs> I said earlier, I'm emotional about it. And I'm sure the people in St. Louis are really, really emotional about it. And, um, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that emotion kind of dies down or if people want to take it to the next step um, and, and make legal moves. I don't know the answer to that question. But, but keep this in mind, too. Um, I think the NFL is fluid. I think Mark Davis has gone on the record saying that he doesn't know where he's playing. So, I think there's opportunities, right? When one door closes, another one opens. And we've seen that through the history of the National Football League. And, I mean, you know, people are up in arms about the Rams. Well, the Rams are, are back in L.A., right? So, I mean, they were yeah. there at one time, they weren't. Now right. they're back. So, it's, you know, it's a fluid situation.
1: <laughs> it, has, it has all the makings of a great book, movie, whatever you want to call it. Um, right. Yeah let's, <laughs> let, let, yeah, let, yeah.
6: let's get to the if thing. If we, we only knew the, the ending.
1: Oh well, that's the, that's the that's the best part. You don't know the ending. There is no season-ending cliffhanger here. It just keeps going. So, let's get to the part that we love the most about the game, and that is that are the games themselves. Uh, Alex, I won't ask you to break down each of these matchups this weekend, but in your eyes, and knowing what you've learned over the course of covering the league all this past season, what are your favorite storylines with regard to the divisional round of playoffs this weekend?
6: Well, I'm happy you won't ask me to break them down because I've been focused on the stadium stuff, and then my game this weekend is the Packers and the Cardinals, so that's probably all I can speak to. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, that that um, might be
1: my favorite, so go with that.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of an – I've kind of been on the Cardinals beat all season long. I've been out uh, covering that team pretty frequently, and um, it was interesting. I mean, they had such a dominant game against the Packers in Week 16 then Week 17, you know, just laid an egg against the Seattle Seahawks. And you have to wonder, like, well, you know, mentally everybody always says different when you know you're kind of not playing for anything. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see um, what kind of adjustments the Packers have made. I think we saw some of them in their game last week in terms of what they're able to do on the offensive line and maybe using Randall Cobb in different ways. Um, and, and, but that they were decimated by the Cardinals. Um, in terms of their offensive line play. I mean, they were just – the the Cardinals just had their way with them. So they're going to have to be able to protect Aaron Rodgers a little bit better than they did – and get the ball um, to somebody (laughs) in order for them to be successful. Um, I I thought Seattle is an interesting storyline. I I actually had a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago, where actually with somebody with the Cardinals, where we were saying, you know, you might not um, see Carolina because you might end up seeing Seattle again. I think Seattle has the capabilities, certainly, of beating Carolina. Um, You know, I I think they've been inconsistent this year, and so I think that's – you know the biggest question mark about them but i think as an offense i think they're growing they're coming together i think you have a rookie like tyler lockett really finding his role there doug baldwin's really grown and created some chemistry with russell wilson i think a big question mark in that game obviously is Marshawn lynch and and what a storyline that has been huh? i mean he's yeah. supposed to play and then doesn't show up um, you know isn't isn't on the flight and so if he gets on the flight this weekend i think obviously that makes a huge difference um, for that team so those those are you know i've been a little closer to the nfc um and the afc i mean i think it'll be kind of a similar situation in the patriots game right can they can they protect tom brady against them um, a very good Chiefs defense I and mean, those are kind of the storylines i think i'm looking at
1: no doubt I, i'm really curious to see if the chiefs can keep this run going it's a fun story to cover look the isn't whole it thing, incredible I, and I kind of, yeah and i kind of thought as the regular season was winding down that we were We were in for a really wild playoff run here, and it really may ramp up this weekend. Um, So you've got Arizona and Green Bay.
6: That's yeah, that's my game for. uh, I'll be covering that for the NFL Network. So we'll be on game day morning and post game uh, Saturday. It is.
1: Aren't you glad the games in uh, Glendale and not in Green Bay?
6: Well, I tell you what, I mean, that was kind of the big storyline going into that Week 16 game. Uh, you know, the Cardinals all knew that. Um, they expected that they would likely see the Packers in the playoffs, and Bruce Arians preached that all week long. We do not want to play this game in Green Bay. We want to be playing it in Glendale. And I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's they're exactly kind of where they want to be. They've had the week off of rest. And I think, um, you know, I would be shocked if the Cardinals, You know, at this point, I'll say this. I kind of would be shocked if the Cardinals don't make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, I think they're having that kind of year. They've been healthy enough. They've had depth. Carson Palmer's playing well. They really have all the pieces that they need, and and really this is the year they're going to do it. If there's any year they're going to do it.
1: Well, you may be dead on there. We saw them week one, and uh, they haven't let up since. No doubt about it. You still got your alexflanagan.com website rolling, Alex?
6: I do, and I've, I've added, I'm becoming a, a website uh, master now. I've, I've just uh, recently launched one called I ILoveToWatchYouPlay.com, and it's um, focused on parents and youth, youth athletics, um, helping parents, kind of advising them and breaking down some of the issues that um, we, me, because I'm a parent, face um, with our kids in youth sports, and it's been really fun.
1: Well, good stuff. Um, I'll send folks to that website and the one I just mentioned. Um, and of course you're still on twitter correct
6: yes yes i love it thank you to everybody who talks to me there Um, whenever i'm lonely or watching a game i've always got um, a great um, group of friends to talk to
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah they can get interesting sometimes there's no doubt about that Um, enjoy the uh, trip back to your home state this weekend alex and i really appreciate your time on on this friday i think you helped us out a lot
6: you're so welcome thank you for having me on there she is,
1: Alex Flanagan from the NFL Network and NBC Sports. She's been just about everywhere. She's covered just about everything, and we are glad to have her here on the Black and Blue. League.
3: You owe it to yourself and your home to call Terminex. I'm Vincent Palumbo. Whether you need a lifetime termite damage guarantee or hassle-free pest control service, we do it all.
2: And I'm Ed Martin, Terminix entomologist. We have developed a convenient pest control system where we're scheduled in your home only twice a year. We attack bugs outside where they live. Call 834 for guaranteed control of any pests or termites. Terminix does it all.
1: All Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting.
0: This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: It's a busy Friday here at the Smoothie King Center. Obviously, we've uh, done a lot of work already with Black and Blue Report. Great to hear from Mickey Loomis yesterday, Dell Demps this morning, and our thanks again to Alex Flanagan for her uh, insight into the NFL and uh, this weekend's playoff round, the divisional rounds. Should be some good football, I think, throughout the weekend. Uh, And then, boy, it gets real serious after that, if it isn't already. Pelicans play eight of their next nine at home, including tonight, 7 o'clock tip-off. Some tickets are still available uh, for tonight's game. We hope to see you at the Smoothie King Center. Otherwise, we'll see you on the radio and on television, of course. We're away on Monday, and so is the Black and Blue Report. No podcast Monday morning. We'll broadcast from Memphis in the FedEx Forum as the Pelicans take on the Memphis Grizzlies in a Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day game, and then back home a long stretch after that. So with that, have a great weekend, everybody. Go Saints and go Pelicans. For the Black and Blue Report and for Daniel Salerson, too, I'm Sean Kelly. See you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and pelicans.com.